The great democratic narrative change has begun with blue states around the country announcing they'll be lifting statewide mask mandates in the coming weeks. So why have so many on the left seemingly overnight had such a change of heart? Well, let's just put it this way. It's got nothing to do with the science. It's time for Hold the Line, my friends. Welcome to Hold the Line, I'm Buck Sexton. Oh my gosh, the science must have changed. No, actually it hasn't changed, but the politics have, that's obvious. Because all of a sudden you have a number of blue states that are going, oh yeah, yeah, we're gonna get rid of those mask mandates in schools because they worked so well, right? We're two years into this, we've all seen, they didn't do a damn thing, but they don't care. They do care about maintaining power though. So that means that when people, it becomes too obvious, there are always gonna be some libs for whom Fauci is a bobblehead doll on their desk or you know the, the guy on the crocheted pillow behind them and it keeps them safe and warm at night. The whole thing is crazy, right? But for people that are actually paying attention and understand what's going on in the country around them, they say, okay, so this is nuts and it needs to end. So some blue states are actually bowing to the public pressure all of a sudden. California is ending the mask minute for vaccinated people though only. Connecticut, Delaware, New Jersey, Oregon, all these blue states that are saying we're not going to have statewide mask mandates. Now, this is fascinating because what was exactly the lesson of the mask mandates in the first place? They want to stop the mandates without looking at how well or not did they work. And also, what about the mandates in schools? Why were children subjected to this? As we know, children are at very low risk from COVID in the first place. So what the heck was that all about? Well, there's also pushback against the Fauciite madness in the classroom as well. Virginia Senate voted today 29 to 9 to let parents choose whether their kids wear masks. It's a bipartisan endorsement of Glenn Youngkin's executive order. So now it means that parents would be able to choose for their kids. Let me tell you something right now. If the neurotics out there whether the adults in the classroom, the teachers and bureaucrats who are terrified of being near children without masks, or just also the neurotic parents who think that masking up, you know, little five-year-old Petey or little seven-year-old Susie is somehow gonna protect them from getting COVID as if that's a big danger to them anyway. If they can't count on every other kid around them to be masked, eventually they're gonna realize we just look like idiots. So it's not gonna keep going. So that's why the mask fanatics have been so insistent on everyone having to mask up all the time. Because if some people stop masking and we can see that it doesn't make any difference whatsoever, they'll look really dumb. And they know that at some level. So now there are some libs who are finally saying, you know what, when you look at the evidence, when you compile all the numbers, it turns out that masking in schools, probably not a good idea. What a shock. Here's the New York Times' David Leonhardt on removing mask mandates. Violence suggests that the benefits of mandated school masking are modest, and that the costs are meaningful for some children. The removal of statewide mandates will probably do more good than harm given that COVID-19 cases are now plummeting. Uh, let's be very clear on this one. Um, it's only harm. The children don't wear masks pro- uh, properly, perfectly in the way that medical professionals are taught to with a sealed, say, N95 mask that actually can block the, micron, uh, the microns that a virus represents in terms of size. No, 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 no. We, we know this stuff, right? This is pretty basic. We knew it until recently. A cloth mask loose, loosely draped around your face is not going to stop a virus. Everyone should have known this. But now they're trying to pull this whole, oh, but you don't understand. 
The mandates can go now because the science has changed. Here's one of CNN's favorite blue check lib doctors, Dr. Wen, on the science changing. There was a and is a time and place for pandemic restrictions, but when they were put in, it was always with the understanding that they would be removed as soon as we can. And in this case, circumstances have changed. Case counts are declining. Also, the science has changed. We know that vaccines protect very well against Omicron, which is the dominant variant. Everyone five and older have widespread access to vaccines. And we also know about one-way masking, the idea that even if other people around you are not wearing masks. If you wear a high quality mask, that also protects you, the wearer, too. And so in this case, I'm not saying, I don't think anyone really is saying that no one should ever wear masks, but rather that the responsibility should shift from a government mandate imposed from the state or the local district of the school. Rather, it should shift to an individual responsibility by the family. First of all, Omicron does not protect well at all against, or rather, the vaccine does not protect well at all against Omicron. Hence us having a huge surge and a lot of hospitalizations and deaths, by the way, including in the vaccinated over the last 60 days. But they won't talk to you about that, the massive failure of all their programs here. And then the massive failure of masking itself. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy, who is getting rid of the mask mandate in his state, when he's asked about the data, because he's certain, he tells you, certain that masking works really, really well. Why? What can he point to? I mean, let's look at the numbers. We should have a lot of science to back up the science. But no, Phil Murphy has talking points and stupidity on display. Check it out. There's no question that masking in our schools since the beginning of the school year uh, has been a very uh, smart public health step. I think we've had just over 2,600 cases of students uh, with uh, COVID positive since the beginning of the school year. That's out of 1.4 million kids. Uh, so it's a pretty stark uh, piece of evidence, I think, that this has absolutely worked. Yeah, but have you seen data that definitively proves that these mask mandates uh, have worked? Uh, I, I mean, the numbers you just presented are impressive, but are they different from the numbers in states where they didn't have mask mandates? Yeah, again, I know Jersey Jake the best, but I'm, I'm highly confident, and I'm sure our health officials uh, will, will, could say it definitively. There's no question. No, there's a question, a lot of question. In fact, if you've been paying attention to what the blue check lib MDs are saying for months now, cloth masks don't work very well. That's what they've actually been saying. Dr. Osterholm, Dr. Wen, Dr. Scott Gottlieb, all people that the Democrat corporate media was holding up as true experts on these issues. So they were saying that. So what's, it's all, folks, they're wrong about everything. These people are a joke. Clowns. Clowns. But it wasn't funny what they did to the country, what they did to people. What Fauci and all the little fascists around him operating under his orders, what they did to people. It wasn't funny at all. It was horrific. It was a waste. Oh, but now they want to declare victory. Here is Representative Hakeem Jeffries saying, Biden is the reason the Omicron variant's retreating. Can't make this stuff up. And the Omicron variant is in retreat. And that's not by accident. That's because under President Biden's leadership, a public health infrastructure was put into place, beginning with the American Rescue Plan without a single Republican vote to ensure that we can do everything possible to crush the virus. And that is what has been happening. Yeah, they're still using the same talking points, crush the virus. Sure, 
sure that's what's happening here. Yeah, it's not like it just infected, what, more people in some periods of time than ever before in the whole pandemic? Yeah, we crushed the virus all right by getting pretty much everybody infected. Amazing. All right, man. I mean, it's crazy stuff's going on. By the way, you know, New York's governor has extended the mask mandate. Just noting that right now. So it's not even like all the states are figuring this stuff out. That's not surprising. The governor of New York is a moron. Um, And they're still willing to act like utter fascists about all this. Ten people were arrested at a New York City movie theater because they didn't show proof of vaccination. Let's all take a moment here to realize that vaccination does not prevent infection and spread of the virus. So on what basis are people being arrested for failure to vaccinate? Because the state says so. Because the city of New York declares it to be so. It's not science. It's authoritarianism. These people are a disgrace. And honestly, the cops enforcing this, they should uh, think long and hard about this one. Maybe lose a little bit of sleep over it. All right, we have more on this with senior columnist at townhall.com, Kurt Schlichter, when we come back. But I want to talk to you about protecting your online data. A lot of companies promise your privacy is guaranteed. We know that's not the truth. That's why you need a new privacy and cybersecurity application tool called Secure. It's spelled S-E-K-U-R. Secure is using proprietary encryption and offers secure instant messaging and email. All of your communication with Secure is based on servers in Switzerland. Big tech can't just spy on you. Secure will never mine your data, never ask for your phone number. You can send emails and communications with total confidence in your security. Secure is your solution to stop the constant theft of your digital identity. It costs only $5 for the messenger, only $10 for the messenger and email combination package. Go to secure.com and take back your privacy today. That's S-E-K-U-R.com. Use promo code BUCK for 25% off. We'll be right back with Kurt Schlichter. Stay with us. Democratic governors across the country are taking matters into their own hands, defying President Biden on COVID mandates. A growing number of blue states now phasing out school and indoor mask mandates that are still supported by the White House. Weird. So how long will it take for the Biden administration to listen to the American people and actually, you know, stop being so crazy? Let's ask senior columnist and rationality expert at townhall.com, Kurt Schlichter. Kurt, good to see you. Well, th- thanks for uh, treating me as the voice of reason, Buck. It's uh, kind of uncommon. I'll go with it. Let's see where it takes us. I like where we're riding so far. Biden has attacked Republican governors for making mask options, uh, mask option rather, in schools. We're seeing some blue states, though, that are actually starting to loosen their grip on our faces, or our kids' faces, the case may be. California, Connecticut, Oregon, Delaware, New Jersey are all phasing out their mask mandates they're telling us the science changed, Kurt. I don't think the science changed. No, it did. It's the science of polling. It's ah. scientific polling. They realized this is pulling down there with uh, nickelback and canker sores. I mean, uh, people were done with this ridiculous nonsense, even here in California. Uh, now, uh, sure, I see people driving around in their uh, Prius with their little Bernie bumper stickers uh, wearing a face thong. But, you know, the majority of normal people are just saying, no, I, I'm done with this. I've had the disease. It's not that big a deal because I'm not, you know, Stacey Abrams. So I'm not really afraid of it. And I'm just going to live my life. And I, I, I'm glad to see that the Democrat governors are following the lead of Republican Ron DeSantis. Finally. we got a few states that seem like they're just going to be intransigent on this. Phasing masks out, you have California, New Jersey, Oregon, Connecticut, Delaware, but New York, Illinois, Washington, D.C., Nevada, 
and Washington State keeping their mask mandates in place. I'm hearing New York may even extend it. Do, do you think, is this just the, the last fury of the commissars before they're not able to uh, falsify the grain report, so to speak? I mean, is this just them punishing us peasants? Uh, no, remember, they like this, okay? The, the, the commissars enjoy exercising the power, and the uh, liberal constituents, particularly uh, the lonely, unsatisfied Trader Joe's, Chardonnay, swilling wine women, enjoy this. But this pandemic has been the most exciting thing that will happen in the lives of many, many people. Now, that's a great tribute to America and the, the, the folks who built it and defended it, but it's kind of pathetic. I mean, you and I have had the uh, ability to have interesting things happen in our lives. You served overseas, I served overseas. It, it, we've, had, we've had adventures. Imagine someone whose whole life adventure is, remember a couple years when I got to be really scared of a disease that probably wasn't gonna kill me, but I got to wear a mask and yell at people who weren't chicken. Yeah, it's preferably, preferably two masks, Kurt. Let's be, let's take the virus two seriously. Two masks, please. Yeah, exactly. Governor, it's a science. <laughs> Governor Murphy of New Jersey is uh, one of the guys who's now all of a sudden. I think he's realizing which way the wind is blowing. Uh, it's not about the virus in the air. It's about, as you said, the polls that are circulating. Uh, here he is saying we have to learn to live with the pandemic now. It's endemic. Watch. Because of the dramatic decline in our COVID numbers effective Monday, March 7th. The statewide school mask mandate will be lifted. Additionally, we will lift the statewide mandate in all childcare settings. We're not gonna manage COVID to zero. We have to learn how to live with COVID as we move from a pandemic to the endemic phase of this virus. To be sure, we've known this for a long time. And we are optimistic that given the decreased severity of this new variant and the continued increase in vaccinations that we are finally nearing this inflection point. Can I just say, Kurt, I'm not willing to, there's a part of me that want, you know, and I think a lot of people feel this way, you know, thank God they're not able to just like the, the inmates are gonna have to actually let the rational adults back in to run the asylum after two years. But I think everyone needs to understand, unless we actually, convince everybody based on the data and the numbers that we now have, they're gonna try this crazy crap again after the midterms next winter. They're not done with this stuff. No, no, again, they like it. And we have to remember this. This isn't a gift that they are giving us, okay? We, we, we don't have to earn our freedom through a behavior consistent with the dictates of our garbage ruling classes failed at literally everything it's tried to do. We need to be vindictive and vengeful about it. This is not frozen, we do not let it go. Here you have Jen Psaki, who's definitely not gonna let it go. Love uh. the by the way. And she is telling everybody that they should just shut up basically because the CDC, you know, the White House is actually calling the shots on a lot of this stuff, but they keep saying, oh, we just follow the CDC guidance. It's like, no one's ever responsible for the tyranny that they're actually enforcing against the rest of us. Here she is on the school mask mandates, watch. Our advice to every school district is to abide by public health guidelines. It continues to be at this point uh, that the CDC is advising that masks can delay, reduce transmission. That's just not true. I mean, I'm, I'm, so, I'm sick of this. No. Like we've run the experiment. Florida has had no mask uh, mandates in schools for six months now. Guess what? 
Numbers are the same they are everywhere else pretty much, which is there's some, you know, COVID here and there. The kids are fine. It's not a big deal. We've seen this. They're wrong. I don't care what they say. They're wrong. You know, Buck, it's, it, it's kind of amusing to me that for, on one hand, they will lie to our faces. And then they will be huffy about the fact that we treat them like they've lied to our faces. It, it, it's really quite remarkable how they can hold these two things, two ideas at the same time. One, I, I can lie to them. And two, how dare they treat me like I'm lying to them when I'm lying to them. Uh, Jen Psaki, uh, the, uh, you know, the raggedy Andy version of Baghdad Bob is a joke, but she's also perfectly emblematic of our terrible, terrible alleged elite, an elite that controls every single institution and has failed at every single one of them. I'm glad that their failure is being exposed. I'm glad that the lies are being exposed. Uh, and it's what, being what? exposed in an undeniable way. If you look at the Rasmussen uh, approval ratings for Grandpa Badfinger today, 57% disapprove, 41% approve. Yikes. And it's only going to get worse. You only got about 20 seconds, Kurt, but where do they go next with this? Do they declare victory or do they say... Be thankful with what little crumbs we give you, peasants, or we'll take it away again. Uh, they will do both. They uh. will say, uh, you know, use your freedom responsibly, that is, in conformance with how we command. And also, see, I've given you, we've given you everything back. We are responsible for lifting all the COVID restrictions that we put in place and left in place far longer than, say, Governor DeSantis, they, who, they who is safe. They truly are the arsonists who show up while the homeowners watch the embers of their home in the ground and hand them a bucket of water and say, I'm a hero. <laughs> it's amazing. You're welcome. It's amazing. You're welcome. Kurt, great to see you, man. Thanks for being with us. Great to see you, man. See you at CPAC. Yes, sir. Despite his recent apology, the left continues its campaign to get podcast host Joe Rogan removed from streaming service Spotify. And we come back, commentary writer for the Washington Examiner, Kaylee McGee, is going to explain why she says apologizing to the woke mob ain't going to work. Stay right there. Many people are recommending Joe Rogan stop apologizing to the woke mob amidst his ongoing podcast controversy. In an op-ed for the Washington Examiner, Kaylee McGee-White writes, if Rogan believes these apologies are truly necessary, we shouldn't begrudge him that he has to do what he believes is right. But if he's apologizing because he also believes doing so will alleviate some of the backlash directed toward him and his podcast, he needs to stop. The mob doesn't want his sincerity or regret. They want his head. That won't change no matter what he says or does. Commentary writer for the Washington Examiner, Kaylee McGee-White, joins now to share her thoughts. Kaylee! Good to have you on. Thanks for having me. So where do you think it stands right now? Is the CEO of Spotify with his $100 million donation to marginalized groups, podcasts, or something like that, is it looking like that's going to stand, he's going to stand behind his decision so far not to fire his $100 million star? 
Yeah, it does look like he's extremely hesitant to part ways with Rogan, in large part because doing so would require having to pay out a hefty settlement to Joe Rogan. And that is one thing that Spotify certainly does not want to do. But really, I mean, where things stand right now, they're just kind of getting worse, in large part because Rogan keeps apologizing and he keeps giving the mob a reason to keep digging through his past comments, digging through his past records. And now you have, obviously, the Spotify CEO trying to backtrack. You have um, a lot of other people who once came out in defense of him also retracting their statements of support and issuing apologies instead. So really things just keep getting worse and he, he's not helping himself here. Here's a Trump statement, the former president weighing in on the Joe Rogan situation. So Joe Rogan is an interesting and popular guy, but he's got to stop apologizing to the fake news and radical left maniacs and lunatics. How many ways can you say you're sorry? Joe, just go about what you do so well and don't let them make you look weak and frightened. That's not you and it will never be. What do you think of this advice from the former president? I think he's right. I mean, what does it gain Rogan by apologizing? So specifically, the second apology that he issued after he was accused of making racist comments in past episodes, he admitted himself that most of the clips that were included in that viral video were deliberately taken out of context to make it seem like he was just randomly uttering an inappropriate word. Uh, without any additional context. And yet in that same sentence, he said, but it's right, you people are right that there is no appropriate context in which a white person should say this. Okay, well, if we're going to agree to that definition then, then you just admitted that they were right to call you racist. Yes, it seems like the rules on this are constantly in flux and a lot of people that wanna hold others responsible doesn't even really seem like it makes sense all the time or they know where the boundaries are drawn. But there are Republicans who are stepping forward to defend Joe Rogan, which is interesting considering Joe Rogan is a former, well, in the last election was an avowed Bernie Sanders supporter, but some people still, uh, still believe in free speech, including the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis. Here he is defending Rogan. I think he's got a huge audience. Uh, I think uh, a lot of the legacy outlets and I think the left fear the fact that he can reach so many people and so they're out to destroy him. But what I would say is don't give an inch do not apologize. Do not cow to the mob. Stand up and tell them to pound sand. If you do that, there's really nothing that they're able to do uh, to you. The only way they have power is if you let them get your goat. There is an interesting line of commentary, though, that this brings up. Obviously, you've got former President Trump, Governor Ron DeSantis, speaking out in favor of Rogan refusing to bend the knee, although he kind of has already bent the knee in some ways. But there are people pointing out that uh, the White House actually called on uh, Spotify to censor Joe Rogan. Here's just a quick flashback, Kelly. Watch this one. All major tech platforms and all major news sources, for that matter, be responsible and be vigilant to ensure the American people have access to accurate information on something as significant as COVID-19. That certainly includes Spotify. So this disclaimer, it's a positive step, but we want every platform to continue doing more to call out and mis and disinformation. And the White House is calling for censorship here. That's what that seems like. And then Rogan gets in trouble. 
Absolutely. And really what this is all about is it's not about COVID-19 misinformation, whatever that means. It's not about racism. It's not about whether Joe Rogan is a racist. It is about the fact that he often has guests on his podcast who hold contrarian views that run opposite of what the mainstream narrative is. And the fact that he is willing to give those people a very large platform, I believe the average episode on the Joe Rogan experience attracts like 10 million uh, listeners or something crazy like that. So he's giving these people who the mainstream media would like to shun and label as whack jobs and outcasts, he is giving them a platform and that challenges the status quo. And that's what the White House doesn't like. That's what the Democratic Party doesn't like. And it's what the leftists who are now trying to cancel Rogan do not like at all. There is an interesting offer that came up as a result of all of the uh, hullabaloo around this. Rumble, which is a competitor platform to YouTube that is firmly rooted in free speech, doesn't do the kind of uh, censorship and partisan nonsense that YouTube is doing all the time, and I can speak with experience on that one. Rumble offered Joe Rogan the following. They said, we stand with you, your guests, and your legion of fans in a desire for real conversation. So we'd like to offer you 100 million reasons to make the world a better place. How about you bring all your shows to Rumble, both old and new, with no censorship, for a hundred million bucks over four years. That got some attention from folks. Absolutely, and I think Joe Rogan should seriously consider it. Obviously, we don't know the details of his contract with Spotify and whether there are you know, certain legal obligations that he still has to the company, but certainly he should be thinking about alternative options where he is not going to have to worry about which episodes are going to get hit with some sort of disclaimer or which episodes might be taken down later on because a couple of executives felt bad and are being bullied into submission, right? I mean, he does need to find a place where his podcast can not only remain as it is, but also continue to grow. Do we have any sense as to whether there is a continued plan here to go after Rogan, or is the firestorm dying down? Because it feels like the left got an apology, but they haven't gotten what they wanted, which was Rogan off the air. Who knows? It's kind of hard to tell how long the outrage culture uh, lasts. Sometimes it's a week, sometimes it's a couple of weeks, and then it kind of dies down. But I do think that um, this isn't going away. I mean, this isn't the first time that Joe Rogan has been in the in the firelight the first time either. I mean, he's been they've been trying to cancel this man for years, and that's just going to keep happening because, again, they're not worried about what he says about COVID. They're not worried about whether he made potentially racist remarks. They're worried about um, the threat that he poses to their ideology um, and and that's, that's, that threat is never going to go away until he is totally silenced or deplatformed. So they will keep trying. Thank you so much, Kaylee. Good to have you on. Thank you. It's been a week since former CNN chief Jeff Zucker resigned from his post. Staffers at the embattled new news network of CNN are still in shock over the loss of their dear leader, We'll have the latest on the crisis over there with the first TV's TNLO dropping some truth bombs when we return. I want to talk to you about protecting the most important asset you own, your home. 100% of the equity you own in your home can actually be stolen by cyber criminals. Once it's gone, you're out of luck. That's why you need Home Title Lock, America's leader in home title protection. See, here's the situation. Your deed to your home, it's actually online. Cyber thieves can take it, forge a signature on it, and act like you sold your home to them. Then what do you do? Well, it's going to be really difficult. That's why you need Home Title Lock in advance. Home Title Lock protects you, gives you peace of mind that the deed to your home is protected. 
Visit HomeTitleLock.com. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. TNLO stops by when we return. Top CNN personalities still haven't gotten over Jeff Zucker's bombshell resignation, with many complaining that their bosses still haven't given them a clear explanation for the shakeup. Okay. Here's what Brian Stelter, of course, had to say about the controversy. CNN is so much bigger than any single individual. But the people who say we're lacking journalism, that we've become an all-talk channel, that we've run off and we're all opinions all the time, that Jeff Zucker led us astray, those people aren't watching CNN. They're not watching CNN. They're watching complaints about CNN on other channels that don't know what they're talking about. We lost our leader this week, but we're not going anywhere. <laughs> I mean, he really is like a, like a pathetic sack of potatoes on TV, isn't it? Anyway, CNN remains in dead last among cable news networks, and of course, rightfully so. Let's have some fun at their expense. They deserve it. TNLO with us now, political commentator for the Washington Examiner, contributor at the First TV, credibility bookshelf in place. Good to see you, TNLO. <laughs> hey, Buck. So uh, Zucker's out. People over there are sad. Why do they care? I mean, the way that Stelter and company are talking, it sounds like there was a death in the family, not the boss stooping his immediate sub subordinate. You know, Allison Camarota, according to leaked minutes from internal meetings, is saying that this is causing mental health woes among staff. People acting like this isn't about a gross violation of journalistic integrity, the sort that we should expect from Jeff Zucker after, you know, his decades of laying American media to waste while incinerating its integrity. Um, and yet, you know, the people who wouldn't shut the hell up about Fox News all the time are now acting like they're the victims for Jeff Zucker being rightly ousted. Uh, this is a story where we know that there will continue to be more fallout. Apparently, this affair that Zucker had with his subordinate, uh, Allison Gallist, had been going on for decades. The Rolling Stone dropped a report like 48 hours after the ouster indicating that there were multiple sources confirming this affair goes back to the 90s. And, you know, everyone was okay with it. The same people who would not shut up about Roger Ailes and everything of Fox News were betting something with far, far worse in a matter of journalistic integrity because we saw that now Zucker was instrumental in rehabilitating the brothers Cuomo and trying to gin up ratings at the height of the pandemic. Here is, by the way, you mentioned Allison Camarada. She was publicly defending Zucker last week. This is what that sounded like. And I think, again, it's an incredible loss. And I just think it's so regrettable how it happened. If, if what you're reporting mm. is true, these are two consenting adults who are both executives. Mm. That, that they can't have a private relationship um, feels wrong. Is she just not very smart? Does she not understand that no one's saying there wasn't consenting adults, there weren't consenting adults involved here. It's about the whole senior subordinate deciding her promotions and compensation, perhaps at the expense of other people, even other women who are up for similar jobs. She not get that? I just wonder, I mean, I know CNN, not a lot of bright lights over there. I mean, from from in any workplace, the issue with what was going on with Zucker and Gallist is exactly what you pointed out. 
if you have one subordinate offering sexual favors, then obviously someone like Zucker is more likely to choose her for promotions um, than the one who decides not to sleep with their boss. As a matter of journalistic integrity, it's even worse, considering that we know that Alison Gollist worked for Andrew Cuomo before starting at CNN. And then she was Zucker's first hire at CNN, according to Katie Couric, who sort of winked and nodded at this affair in her memoir from late last year. And then at the height of the pandemic, according to reporting from both the New York Post and the Rolling Stone with multiple sources, they're saying that Gallist and Zucker would be in talks with, with Andrew Cuomo's people in Albany directly, giving him advice, not just how to just not, not just what to say during his hour on CNN with, with Chris Cuomo, which involved CNN suspending their normal ethical standard or standard, if we should call it that. But also when he should time the briefings for maximum viewership on CNN. He said, have those briefings in the middle of the day at 1130 so CNN can air them and we can make you a star. They gave him advice for what to say to piss off Donald Trump, who as we remember at the time was the president at the peak of a pandemic and responsible for distributing ventilators and crucial PPE. So I remember at the time, everyone was sort of comparing and contrasting the fact that Gavin Newsom, who was by no means, you know, a sane blue dog Democrat, he and Trump have never gotten along. Newsom did a pretty good job holding his tongue at the beginning of COVID, just trying to get ventilators, PPE, those early therapeutics. We didn't know if those would work. And it was Cuomo who was seeming to pick a fight. And now we know Jeff Zucker was encouraging this cat fight because he thought that it would be better ratings for Cuomo during a pandemic to be sparring with Trump, which just shows shows you what their priorities are. Yeah, of course. And I I feel like there's something that's been really uh, not covered nearly enough. um, And that is uh, Jeff Zucker himself. If you look at a photo, can we throw a photo up of Jeff Zucker for a second? How did he get away with this for so long? You can kind of see it there. This guy went three buttons down pretty much his entire professional life. Three buttons down. <laughs> this isn't the, this, you're, you're, you're not in South Beach, my friend. I don't know how this was ever okay. He was going almost <laughs> naval uh, length with the open shirt situation. I'm just saying, Zucker, see, there it is. Three buttons down. You can see it right there. T- okay, he's got a tie on in that one. Totally unacceptable. So I'm just going to point that out for everybody at home. Ugh, Zucker. Don Lemon, by the way, had a meltdown discussing uh, his ex-friend Chris Cuomo. Speaking of burning the whole place down, during a private CNN meeting, Lemon asked Cuomo if he would be paid his severance. He then asked, did you think about what message it sends to the journalists in this company and the larger public that someone can be found to break these journalistic standards and get paid handsomely for it? And what is to stop the next person from possibly getting compensated for it to spread rumors uh, or what have you to the press? Um, apparently, Don Lemon thinks CNN has journalism. <laughs> which is also amazing. And n- notice that none of the complaints about what Chris Cuomo did, it has nothing to do with the sexual misconduct allegations. It has nothing to do with counseling his brother on how to deal with his own sexual misconduct allegations. It has nothing to do with help bailing his brother out of you know, the biggest catastrophe of the pandemic, which was that nursing home order that sent upwards of 15,000 seniors to their deaths by putting them in with COVID positive patients in nursing homes. It's that he burned Jeff Zucker. That is the real sin here, that he didn't show enough fealty to the consigliere that was in charge of, you know, cleaning up all of their all of their damage. You know, Jeff Zucker's entire career has been lighting networks on fire by creating deeply irresponsible 
media celebrities and then leaving the network in flames. It's what he did at NBC. It's what he did with the Today Show. I mean, think about it. This is the guy who invented Matt Lauer. And all the people saying, oh, without Jeff Zucker, we might just become Fox News because of Trump. Who did more to make Donald Trump a, a, a celebrity again in the early aughts than Jeff Zucker? And look, that's fine. If you like Trump and you like the fact that they aired empty Trump podiums in the 2016 primaries and not the other candidates, that's okay. But it's just funny when people like Stelter act like Donald Trump is the only thing standing between us and a fascist autocracy. Yeah, your guy did more to promote him in 2016 than anyone else. So yeah. also, you maybe just have a degree of humility. You, you just can't trust a guy who goes three buttons down all the time in business meetings and stuff. You just can't nope. trust him. Can't nope. trust him. No, Tina. it's not Miami Beach. <laughs> Tina, good to see you. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, Buck. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau claimed that the Freedom Fighter convoy is trying to, quote, blockade Canada's economy. I guess only uh, the government that he runs is allowed to do that. We'll have this story and more coming up. Quick hits next. Canadian protesters yell shame at police officers seen arresting an elderly man after he honked his horn. And New York City Mayor Eric Adams warns that he's got to get New Yorkers to eat a plant-centered life. Really? Okay. It's time for quick hits. Let's get into some of this. Uh, first of all, I mentioned this earlier in the show. Police need to not become the fascist COVID enforcers of the state, more so than many of them already have. Uh, they have a moral obligation to their fellow uh, Americans, fellow Canadians, fellow human beings, not to take the dictates of the state and forget about their basic humanity. And that includes things like this, where you have a Canadian man who's, who honked his horn, and now Canada has just declared that's illegal. You get arrested for honking your horn now. Oh, okay, because they're so upset about the success so far of the trucker protest in Ottawa and elsewhere in Canada. Here he is, uh, this, this elderly uh, and, and slight of stature Canadian man being very roughly arrested by Canadian police. Look, they're hurting an old man, a Canadian citizen. It's communism. This is communism. He's scared. Call your police chief. He'll back you up. Call the police. Call your police chief. Arrested an old man. Shame on you. Shame on you. Shame on you. Yeah, I know he beat the horn. What the f do they represent? They represent Trudeau. They do represent Trudeau and the lib fascism of the Trudeau government. Uh, the arrest was actually more violent even what you saw there. They really manhandled the guy. They threw him around. He's small. He's elderly. And they're using physical violence against him because he honked a horn. Yeah, what the mask maniacs, what the vax mandate crowd thinks is okay in a free society, or formerly free society, really. This one got a lot of attention. Eric Adams is a, he's not a vegan, I think, technically. He eats a plant-centered life. I'd never really heard of this before, but here, here's the new mayor of New York. I eat a plant-based centered life. Some people want to call me vegan. Vegans eat Oreos and they drink Coca-Cola. I don't. I eat a plant-based centered life. And those who are the food police for me, uh, they can food police all the time. I eat a plant 
based centered life. And I'm not going down this rabbit hole of what do you eat if you eat cake and it has eggs in it that you analyze it. I'm not doing that. The more plant based you eat, the better and healthier you are. That is my question to those who are following me around in restaurants, wondering what, what I'm ordering. Listen, I'm not doing that. That's noise to me. I got to get New Yorkers to eat a plant-based, scented life. Wait, it's one thing if he wants to do this, but he thinks he's going to get us, the rest of us, to do this? Really? That's the plan? Uh, I, am, I am literally cooking a T-bone steak tonight. <laughs> so I don't think that this is going to be as easy as the mayor thinks. Plus, he does have more important things, I hope, on his plate than that. No pun intended. Or pun intended. Justin Trudeau, um, maybe one of the most loathsome politicians on the planet right now. I mean, not, not quite as bad as Kim Jong-un, but he's pretty horrible. Here he is giving one of his speeches where he's letting everybody know that he is just very emotional, very left-wing, and really wants to do everything he can to help all of the people if you just shut up, peasant, and do all the stupid things he wants to make you do. Watch. Individuals? are trying to blockade our economy, our democracy, and our fellow citizens' daily lives. It has to stop. It's not going to stop right now, that's for sure. Yeah, Justin Trudeau is horrible, and Canadians who voted for him should feel embarrassed uh, for what they did, but I'm not sure they all do. Here is, I haven't seen this, by the way, so you at home are watching this in real time as I watch this in real time. I don't even know. Showtime's new documentary series called Everything's Gonna Be All White? Watch. I think what annoys me most about white people is when they pretend like they're the victim. (laughs) What's also annoying is when they, you know, when they kill us. What is fragile about whiteness? when everything has been constructed around it. Every part of who I am has been distorted or criminalized. It's really just a bunch of white lies. <laughs> We're storming the Capitol! You're not patriots. You're ridiculous. One of the definitions of American whiteness is ignorance. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, I mean, uh, it doesn't get any dumber. Watch it for a, a, a drive-through of tremendous stupidity. As ever tonight's Hold the Line, the No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is next. Shields high.